0: Promise me you will train the boy
1: yes master
0: he is the chosen one he will bring balance train him what will happen to me now council have granted me permission to train you you will be a jedi i promise you are the chosen one it was said that you would destroy this Sith, not join them. Bring balance to the Force, not leave it in darkness. And what of the boy? To Tatooine. to his family send him. I will take the child and watch over him.
1: Until the time is right, disappear we will.
2: Master Kenobi, wait a moment. In your solitude on Tatooine, training I have for you.
1: Training? An old friend has learned the path to immortality. One who has returned from the netherworld of the Force, your old master. Qui-Gon? How to commune with him, I will teach you. Welcome everyone from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl Leclerc and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Everyone and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampus Lair podcast. This is episode number four hundred and fifty-nine. Who is Kenobi? I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Ewan McGregor and Alec Guinness. To my James Arnold Taylor, we've got Carl Leclerc and Greg Cass. <laughs>
3: that is so so perfect i just want to break into the elephant love medley from moulin rouge to prove that i'm the ewan
2: <laughs> i'll take it i'm a little younger than sir alec but i'll, I'll
1: take it <laughs> well, the senior uh person on this podcast so uh I figured it fit.
3: <laughs> well, and not to mention, Greg, that you have been busy at work doing a kind of Alec Guinness rewatch. It seems like with with some of your movies as of late.
2: Yeah, I've been I've been going through his filmography this year. I've, I think I've watched twelve. Um, there's some weird stuff in his back catalog, but all good. He's always <laughs> great and and had good taste. So,
1: <laughs> fantastic. Uh, well, what's the what what's the surprise that? Uh, What's the biggest surprise so far? Uh,
2: Kind Hearts and Coronets, which is free on Canopy, if people have Canopy as a streaming service through your public library. Um, It is a uh, a kind of uh, a man wants to get an inheritance, and he has to kill eight members of the family who are ahead of him in line for a title. And Alec Guinness plays all eight of the members of the family. Uh, And it's... Amazing. So definitely kind <laughs> hearts and coronets if, if you're looking for some Sir Alec.
3: <laughs> that sounds fascinating. <laughs> well, um, last week, of course, we did our a kind of a quick teaser Kenobi reaction looking at the trailer. Uh, I reached out to you, Greg, to see if you could could come on. But of course, it was also your birthday that day. You were you were tied up celebrating as you yeah. should have been. Um, you did a great episode over on Rebel Base Card about it. So, uh, if you want to know more of Greg's thoughts as well as another Greg's thoughts on the Kenobi trailer, head over to Rebel Base Card and check out that incredible show. But that's why I was like, "Well, let's still talk about Kenobi." Everybody's thinking about Kenobi right now. Greg, he's your favorite character. You're a Kenobi expert, as it were. And um, and I I was talking to Jason when we finished last week, and I said, "Well, I'm gonna I'm, I want to be playful here and pretend like." Kathy Kennedy got J.J. to come in to do Force Awakens by asking him, who is Luke Skywalker? So I said, I'm going to reach out to Greg and say, who is Kenobi? Um, So (laughs) we're going to kind of tackle that very broad question, uh, kind of just looking at really looking at Obi-Wan through the events of the prequel trilogy, because kind of what we want to do is look at who do do we think he is going into that desert of exile on Tatooine at the end of Episode three? um, And who's the character we're going to meet? in uh, just two short months on Disney+. Plus, um, So I, I know all three of us are wildly excited for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But before we, before we head into the deserts of Tatooine for our Kenobi discussion, just a quick reminder that we are still doing our This is Madness tournament on our Instagram and Twitter. Um, all things animation, all, all sorts of top moments aclo- across the Star Wars animation world uh, we're in our Sweet 16 this week. Starting next week, we'll be in the Elite Eight. So, if you're not following us on Twitter or Instagram, be sure to do so so that you can play along. This is madness. Animation <laughs> madness. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing so far has surprised me. How about you, Jason? Anything on the list that has won that you were like, I didn't see that go on going to win? I feel like so far everything's been relatively predictable.
1: Uh, yeah, everything's been relatively predictable. Uh, there's been a few that I voted for that didn't win that I was like, that's probably not going to win, but I want to vote for it anyways. Um, but yeah, no, no, nothing overly surprising yet. Uh, I think we, there's a possibility for some surprises, uh, coming up, but as of right now, the way matchups are kind of shaping up, uh, I, you know, who's going up against who? It's, it, it's been, at least for me, you know, fairly easy to to predict so far.
2: Yeah. It's been fun to watch. Clearly the love is on Rebels and Clone Wars, and so those would beat out Resistance and Bad Batch, but now I think there's more matchups coming that put those two fan groups, you know, face-to-face to to see what they want between Clone Wars and Rebels. So excited to see which group ends up being larger (laughs) because I I think it could be a coin toss for a lot of
1: those. And here's the funny thing: is it seems, at least from my layman's perspective, uh, when I, you know if I pop in and take a look, it seems the rebels' love is on Twitter, and the Clone Wars' love is on Instagram. So um, it, it kind of yeah. the question then becomes: who's going to get which platform is going to get more votes? Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, so- <laughs> yeah.
3: And I will say, Instagram has been getting consistently more votes. It's probably because it also did didn't have a stupid update that makes things harder to find (laughs) like Twitter just did. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, it, well, it's funny because the two biggest things we put together in the first round, um, which the very first matchup we had was Anakin or excuse me, Vader versus Ahsoka from rebels and Ahsoka versus Maul from clone wars. And it was very close, but the rebels won one. And then conversely, our last matchup of the first round was Kane sacrifice against Ahsoka leaving and rebels also won that one um in mm. a pretty close uh, one so rebels in the two big the two biggest moments between these two series rebels has taken taken the slight edge
1: yeah that makes it that's interesting uh you know i'm i'm obviously in the clone wars camp but i did vote for Kanan's sacrifice cuz that moment is it is the only moment in star wars that has made me bawl like a baby so <laughs> Me too, except for when it said
2: uh, episode seven on the screen. <laughs> that, that just had me. And I think, and pretty much episode eight and episode nine. It was like we
0: did it. We got here, everybody.
2: You know, <laughs> sobbing. My wife's concerned. She's like, "You did want to come to this,
1: right? Like, you're, you're happy, tears."
0: Happy.
2: So,
1: yeah. Happy. Beats. happy beats. Um, <laughs> well, all right. Enough about.
3: Uh, Happy beeps. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi. Um so for us canonically speaking, his story starts in episode 1. Who is Kenobi in episode 1? Greg go. <laughs>
2: Oh man, uh, it's so funny to me because I think if I'm being honest with myself, episode one, Kenobi, was when I fell in love with the character. So when when you said this is kind of how we're going to approach it and this is what we're thinking about, I really tried to start to think about well, why is that? Because I wasn't a Ewan McGregor fan before episode one. I, I had maybe seen a thing or two, but but you know, I was a little young for Train Spotting and and some of his well-known uh, work at that point. Um, so what is it about Obi-Wan in episode one? So I would say, starting at the very superficial level, I would just say he's a really cool character in that movie, right? I mean, doesn't have a lot to do in the middle of the film, but in the kind of first and third acts, especially in that final duel he's just mind-blowingly cool. You know, the the jumping as the, the laser gate opens and then the full onslaught just blew me away. You know, sitting in that theater, it was like we'd never seen lightsaber fights like that. And here we have... Sure, we know old Ben, but to have him at the height of his powers and to see that, you know, displayed in this new and incredible way. I think if I'm starting with who is Obi-Wan Kenobi, he is a badass Jedi in that movie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: he is. He's definitely, you know, got the skills to, you know, to to be a Jedi Knight, which is, uh, you know, brought up in the movie, too, when, when Anakin is being considered, you know, and basically said, I don't have anything else to teach him, you know. So he's he's good to be a Jedi Knight, and Yoda and the Council's like, well, <laughs> that's our choice, buddy. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, by the end of it, obviously he is a Jedi Knight, uh, and he's got the you know the the training and the skills to be that he he is you know, a, the consummate you know knight, even though he doesn't have the title um, in Episode One. Um one of the other interesting things I I kind of picked up on from episode 1 is he's a bit of a doubter. Um hmm. uh, you know, particularly when it comes to unlikely people, you know, Jar Jar and Anakin in particular. Um he he's used to Qui-Gon going off and finding these, you know, stragglers and and you know hangers-on, and he doesn't seem to put much stock in them until he's proven otherwise uh, by the end of the movie. So he's a bit of a doubter, and I think being proven that um, throughout The Phantom Menace really kind of sticks with Obi-Wan because he doesn't do that so much after, after the Battle of Naboo, so... That was one thing I kind of picked on is that he's a bit of a doubter of people.
3: Hmm. Yeah. I, you know, the thing that sticks out to me about uh, Phantom Menace Obi-Wan is his rigidity. You know, he's so he's so focused on the Jedi code um, and he really is. I mean, so many people talk about how he's the consummate Jedi, right? He's the kind of the, the shining example of the Jedi of the prequel era. And I think that that's a that's a double edged statement. Like, there's a lot of goodness in it. Like, he fights for justice. He's a he's a gifted warrior and and, and a soldier for people in need. But at the same time, he's very narrow minded. He's very it's this way only, um, and that's really who he is in episode one. Um, and I think what really stands out to me about his character in that movie to kind of go off a little bit of your point, Jason, this kind of this this wariness of others when, you know, when they've picked up another pathetic life form <laughs> referring yeah. to, to young Anakin. Um, something that is, uh, Jason, you know, you and I over the years have talked a lot about how good the Revenge of the Sith novel is. But the episode one novel by Terry Brooks is also very good. Um, I mean, it's not Revenge of the Sith good, but it's very good. Um, and the moment when Anakin and Obi-Wan meet, On on the Naboo Star Cruiser after he's just fought Maul in the movie, it makes it seem like Obi-Wan is kind of pleasant. He just kind of gives him a little smile, shakes his hand. But in the book, he finds Anakin super annoying. (laughs) Like he immediately dislikes Anakin. And I think that's in the movie where that's especially showcased is when the council denies Anakin being trained and Qui-Gon. And I, I love the way George sets up this shot. Qui-Gon steps forward to say, oh, I'll take him on. And, it, and it, the camera's focused on Obi-Wan as Qui-Gon passes us in the foreground, as he just looks so hurt looking at Qui-Gon, pass him over for this pathetic life form. Um, and then at the end of the story, he promises to train this boy. So, you know, his early This early part of his story is, you know, we see him successfully become knighted because he defeats Darth Maul. Um, But at the same time, he takes on this heavy burden of promising to train the Chosen One, who he has a very wary relationship of. Um, You know, he's, he's very much in line with the council. He thinks that the boy is dangerous. He doesn't think this is the right thing to do. But what trumps all of that for Obi Wan is his dedication to Qui Gon. So he makes this promise, and uh, it's a pretty lofty promise. So Obi Wan shoulders this massive responsibility um, at the end of that first story.
1: He's he's a student, quite literally at the beginning of the film. He is a student, you know, a, a, in terms of title and position. But by the end of the film, he's still learning you know, even though he's quote unquote graduated uh, to becoming a Jedi Knight, he's still learning to learning uh-huh. about, you know, to trust and to, you know, allow the force to move him in ways he doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I would put two things into that
2: conversation. Um, cause, cause I agree. There are a lot of moments in the film where Obi-Wan is the voice of, Kind of following the rules, following the code. And to me, kind of the first piece of that that's really interesting is where we we meet Obi-Wan, right? He gets—it's uh, not the very first line of the film, but it's, it's kind of the first main character to speak. And he says, I have a bad feeling about this, and is kind of scolded immediately and told— Keep your mind on focused on what on the here and now, um, but Master Yoda said I should be mindful of the future. And so much of where he goes in this movie mm-hmm. is kind of bouncing between those two positions. Mm-hmm. I think Qui Gon's uh, you know ascribing to the the living force means he's very much in the moment, trying to sense things out beat by beat. Whereas Obi-Wan's preoccupation, I don't know if it's quite fair to say it's always on the future, but it's on the bigger picture, right? It's, it's on what is what does this mean? What am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to be? And, you know, actually the phrasing of who am I supposed to be is mindful of the future. It's, you know, it's thinking about that instead of, you know, living in that moment, living up to expectations instead of being responsive to what's happening around you. Um, And then I would I would connect all of that then to these fantastic comments Dave Filoni made in Disney Gallery about the duel of the fates and how at the end we're seeing the duel of uh, these Jedi, but it's really about Anakin's fate and you know, what would Anakin have been if he'd uh, been allowed to stay with Qui-Gon, who was more keep your mind on the present, right, in the present moment? And instead he ends up with Obi-Wan, who's, you know, so much of their conflict in in the, the films to come is going to be him trying to... Um, you know, uh, follow the rules, right? Uh, Obi-Wan representing the rules and Obi-Wan, I don't want to crunch our discussion of those other films, but, uh, you know, Obi-Wan wanting to follow the rules and and Anakin kind of pushing against that. And so I think, you know, if you take both of those kind of more recent ideas and hook it into what what you're both saying, um, Obi-Wan... Is much more dynamic across the film than he might first appear to some people. If you see him as just a symbol of traditional
3: Jedi, hmm. that's that's uh, that's very astute. Uh, I I didn't think of it that way. Um, so that's what it takes a Kenobi expert for. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So you know this this very young, recently knighted Jedi moves forward now with taking on the apprenticeship of the Chosen One. Um, And quick question for both of you. Do you think Obi-Wan believes Anakin is the Chosen One? Does Obi-Wan even believe in the prophecy of the Chosen One, do you think? Mm, That's a hard
1: question because in Revenge of the Sith, not to jump ahead, he does say to Yoda and, and Mace. So well, is he not the Chosen One? Is he not to bring balance to the Force?
3: So the prophecy you know.
1: says... Right. <laughs> Jerk. I think it's something that... Obi-Wan has to warm up to. Hmm. Because it's not, it's not in his wheelhouse. It's not in, it, not, not in his wheelhouse. It's something that Qui-Gon thinks about. is these prophecies and the Chosen One. And then he's thrust into the situation where he has to potentially train the chosen one. Um, And I think it's probably one of those things where Obi-Wan is skeptical of it at first, but then as he continues to train Anakin, he sees things that might give him, you know, insight into, well, maybe he is different, you know, maybe he is this, you know, this being that will do this, you know, um I think by the time Anakin falls Obi-Wan believes it which is why he's part of why he's so crushed when Anakin turns. Mm. So um yeah.
2: I I would Point, you know, in canon uh, to master and apprentice. And I think a lot of what you just said, Jason, is, is shown there, as, as best my memory serves of that book, that the prophecies are so present in that story um, that they, they always felt, though, like they were Qui Gon's obsession. And Obi-Wan was trying to understand why they were such a part of Qui-Gon. And we get the flashbacks that show they were kind of motivating Dooku and Qui-Gon um, and Rael and, and you know. And so, uh, yeah, I, I would say at the end of Phantom Menace, I don't think he believes. I think he's taking on Anakin out of his promise to Qui-Gon. Not and this isn't what you said, Jason, certainly you're um, but, you know, the he's not doing it just because he thinks, oh, well, we have to. It's the prophecy. I, I don't think at that point he's he's fully believing in that. Um, And I, I think you're right that maybe as time goes on and their relationship deepens, maybe he does come to believe in it. Uh, but it's certainly at the end of uh, Phantom Menace. He's just crushed by the loss of his master and trying to do right by him. Mm, Answer yeah. your own question, though, Carl. What, what do you think?
3: <laughs> no, I asked you, so I didn't have to. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, <laughs> well that, to be fair, I, <laughs> if I remember right, I think in that final scene in the Master and Apprentice novel, it it takes place at the you know at the funeral right after the funeral oh, right. of Qui Gon, and I'm almost positive that in that moment, Obi Wan chooses to believe on Qui Gon's behalf that Anakin is. So it is kind of a a, a yes and no. Right. Like, mm. does he himself believe this stuff of the prophecies? Um, probably not. But he chooses to believe it out of respect and promise to Qui-Gon. So um, it, and that's again, I haven't read the book in a little while, but I'm almost I just remember really loving that closing scene where he, they're at the mm. funeral. And, and I'm pretty sure he, he that's where he gets the conviction of doesn't matter what I think. Qui-Gon believed it and I choose to believe on his behalf. Um So and like to me, that raises an interesting question in the sense of, you know, how well can you give yourself over to the task of of this heavy burden if you don't fully even believe it? And I I don't say that as an indictment of Obi-Wan, right? But like... Um, Greg, you know, you're you're a professor. If somebody hands you a new class to teach, that has literally nothing to do with anything you've ever cared about. Like, how excited are you going to be? Or, you know, Jason, if somebody's like, "Here, I want you to do this new job and be a financial analyst," and you're just like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> right? Like, just <laughs> not not crapping on financial analysts, but uh, right? Like, if if if, if you're given you this task up, that you have no, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah. you know, but if oh. you know if you're if you're given this this task that you really have no buy-in, um, I feel like it does change your it changes the dynamic of it, right? Well.
1: Go ahead, Greg. I'll I'll let you address it first. Yeah. I mean, can
2: I teach things that I don't believe in? Absolutely. I do all the time. I don't really care that much about grammar, but I teach it all the time. (laughs) Um, But uh, to your point, like... And it is funny because it is a difference between the kinds of teaching you do and the kinds of teaching I do, right? In in a lot of ways. Although, mm. you know, I believe in the value of education, which is, is often enough to get me through the day. Uh, so I think there is necessarily going to be less enthusiasm about it. But I would go back to duty, right? Mm. Um, that That is what continues to motivate him. He, you know, we, we still haven't gotten a lot of his backstory sketched out before Master and Apprentice, right we know he's from the Planet Stew John because George Lucas said it on the daily show, <laughs> um, but that's all we really know about him um, so uh, but as a child raised seemingly entirely raised in the the Jedi system, right taken as a baby and and raised in the temple. I think, you know, the, the order matters to him more than anything. And eventually the order will be just him and Yoda, right? So, mm-hmm. um, well, and all the other people that Order 66 keeps, we keep finding out Order 66 missed, but, <laughs> but essentially <laughs> those two. Um, and so I think he's going to, I, I, to me, Obi-Wan is a character that will rise to the occasion because that is what he's supposed to do. That is the right thing to do.
1: Yeah, I, I was going to say, because it's not entirely out of his his wheelhouse, because it is something that he was going to eventually have to do anyway. As part of his Jedi path, he was going to have to take on an apprentice. Um, was it a headstrong, you know, almost 10-year-old that has potentially uh, the highest, you know, that has the highest chlorian count that he's ever seen in his life? No, that was not part of the plan, and was he's going to take one immediately after being knighted? Probably not. Um, But he was going to be doing this sooner or later anyways, uh, you know, in some way, shape, or form. So I think it's more a matter of the situation being rushed Hmm. for Obi-Wan. Because he's not prepared for it. He's, you know, in one day, he goes from being... Uh, the apprentice the padawan apprentice of qui-gon jinn to being a jedi knight uh with his own padawan and anakin skywalker um you know that's that's a bit of whiplash (laughs) to say the least so uh, and having the first sith lord in a thousand years
2: right (laughs) too (laughs) absolutely what you're saying
1: yeah that too So, yeah i i would say it's not something that's out of his his realm of of you know, thought process is not out of his realm of of pot of a potential feeling and and stuff like that, but it is definitely rushed and definitely something that he didn't anticipate being thrust on him quite in this way as something that he was not prepared for. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. Well, then we go. So, I mean, we obviously know he wasn't quite ready for it because when we meet him at the start of episode two, he has a mullet. You know, that's how not ready for this he was. <laughs> you know, he just, he really let himself go. Um, you know, his his robes might be nice and pressed, but what is going on with his hair? <laughs> so
2: they were at a border dispute on Ancyon. They don't have time yeah. to get back to the barber droids. Give him no, a break. <laughs>
1: no, absolutely not. That, 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 your hair is the last, you put a hood over it, you're fine, right? <laughs> We
2: all looked a little like that at, at the middle of COVID. So. <laughs> That's true.
3: <Yeah. laughs> um, but uh, so, Jason, let's start with you as the the Attack of the Clones aficionado of the group. Uh, who is uh, Kenobi in Episode 2? How, how has his role evolved? Uh, there are
1: two primary points that I you know obviously picked on for Kenobi here in Attack of the Clones. Uh, first, uh, right off the bat, is the teacher. Um, he's not, you know, uh, the, the relationship is very much master apprentice teacher student with Obi-Wan and Anakin, uh, in attack of the clones. So, and he is taking that job very seriously. He is teaching this, this young man to be a Jedi, um, exasperated in his attempts to do so, but that is his job. Uh, The other thing he is is he's an investigator. He's he's curious. Um, He has to uh, you know solve this mystery on his own, um, pretty much as to who's trying to kill Padme. So there are those are the two primary points that I picked up on for Obi Wan. I'm sure there's we're going to get into some other you know details, but those are the big ones uh, that I I wanted to get. And kind kind of how I approach this is each thing I was like Obi Wan is a fill in the blank I mean, mm. in for each of these these things that's kind of how I approach my notes with this so jason's he's playing- a teacher he's an investigator in attack
3: of the clones um, jason's jason's planet playing Kenobi Mad madlibs over there i like it that's exactly <laughs> what i'm doing <laughs> <laughs>
2: my notebook just says he is a mulleted stud Oh. If there's anything to talk
3: about. (laughs) (laughs) And I imagine that you have a drawing in there. (laughs) Just
2: a little sketch. Just just a little something. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Mr. Greg Kenobi. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, look, I want to. Take each of those from Jason um, before I add to them <laughs> okay. at all. And, and I, I think it's really interesting to look at Kenobi as a teacher. And again, to think about they lived a lot of life between these two movies, mm. right? I mean, Anakin left Jake Lloyd and returned <laughs> Hayden Christensen. <Yeah. laughs> um, and that's a long time. And, and, you know, they clearly were very active from what hints we have from that time so far. Um, and we're getting a uh, book. We're getting a book. We are, yeah. Oh, and, well, and also book, a Kenobi Padawan book in a yes. YA book, which I keep forgetting about as well. Right. So, yeah. But that Lots book is that book summer.
3: is post Attack of the Clones, which kind of stinks. So I want to, I want to, oh. yeah. The the Brotherhood book takes place right after the events Attack of the Clones because it, oh. it deals with Anakin being knighted and how that changes their relationship. So gotcha. I, like, I can't wait to read the story. I'm sure it'll be great, but I would love more in between episode one and two content about yeah. that. So anyways, Same. sorry, Greg we kind of cut you no,
2: off. No, no, no. Uh, so I think part of what's so interesting about him as a teacher is, um, you know, if I were to sum up who he is in that first deck of attack of the clone, maybe the whole movie, it'd be grumpy, right? He's a grumpy teacher and that's what Anakin says. Right. Um, and it's interesting to me to watch that as a teacher, but also a dad, because it's, it's a kind of grumpy I feel very deeply sometimes, right? Mm. It's it's based in love and it's based in, you know, wanting the best for uh, the student or the, the – you know, they kind of have a father-son relationship. But, you know, you end up kind of exasperated sometimes because you see the bad behaviors and the mistakes – um, and I think the the sharpness that stands out to me is when Anakin tells Padme, you know we'll get to the bottom of this and Anakin and Obi-wan shuts him down right away, right we will not exceed our mandate no, no, no. and um and I think at that moment, it's very clear that he sees the risk of Anakin you know, acting the way he is around Padme, who I, I don't want to assume he knows any romantic feelings are there. He, he knows there's a crush there and all that. But um, so the the way he shuts him down and kind of puts him in his place feels very fatherly to me. I don't know. Am, am, are we psychoanalyzing my childhood now? <laughs> but, um, you know, I think there's a way in which it sounds like, no, you're not in control here. I'm still the one in control and in power, and you're going to heal to me in this moment, and it, it's certainly not who I expected Obi-Wan to be as a teacher when we see him with Luke and he's all about opening Luke up to the world in, in the classic trilogy.
3: Hmm. Wow. Oh, yeah, that's a what a great point. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the things that stand out to me to, to just to kind of build on what you, you both have already said, um, of course, he's definitely Detective Kenobi. Um, he'd fit right into Matt Reeves' Batman story that just came out, because that's a detective story as well, a little bit darker. Um, but, uh, just, I, just a bit, from I, what I gather. Yeah, Obi-Wan would have Somehow not, more rain
2: than Camino too. Yeah. I, know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, I think... Uh, but to me, like, I, he... The way he just gives himself over to that role of detective on his own, um, you know, he kind of gets to be, like... He kind of gets to have a solitary adventure. Um, and there's a... And I'm curious if you two would agree with this. Um, he almost seems to be a little more at ease on his own without Anakin at his side. And I don't know if that's maybe just because it's like, ugh, I don't have to keep this kid in line. I don't have to be an instructor right now. I just have to be on the mission here. Um, and I think... So part of me thinks he's, he's almost... I I hesitate to say excited, but he so willingly throws himself into this role. I mean, first and foremost, because the council asks him and and he doesn't question the council. Um, But secondly, too, I think he understands that this mission is vital to this impending crisis that exists in the galaxy, in the Republic. Obi-Wan really loves the Republic. He loves democracy, as he's going to tell us. Um, And I think he really wants to just sp- he's just you know he springs into action at, at the at even the imminent possibility that that could be in in danger um so that's that's one thing for sure that really stands out to me about him here is he he just really cares about preserving the the system i mean i don't i don't think i'm sure obi-wan and we'll learn more about this and we might talk about it when we get to clone wars he's certainly aware that there are cracks and fissures and and Brokenness to the to the system of the Republic and the Jedi Order, but he loves them. He wants to protect them, and I feel like that's what his mission is really about. Um, and the but the only other thing I kind of wanted to point out, and this is somewhat silly, but I think is also important, is his his encounter with Dexter Dexter Jetster. Uh, I mean, it shows that he has a life outside of the of the the Jedi. You know, he has this buddy who runs a diner on Coruscant. Obi-Wan has lived a life somewhat you know outside of his Jedi existence and I think especially when you look at episode 1 Obi-Wan yes granted he's a young padawan there but this really implies that he's had some history um outside of the Jedi and you know uh, it, this is me just being silly at this point but I would just love it if he somehow connects with Dex in the Kenobi series I know <laughs> it's not going to happen um and uh I'm not you – know, I don't want this for fan services alone, but I think it's, it's interesting that the first person Obi-Wan goes to when the the archives fail him is he just goes to a buddy that he trusts. You know, I think that tells us something about his character is he, he, he's not so rigid as to think that only the Jedi have all the basis of knowledge. He, he has come into encounters with others that he trusts. Uh, so, so I do love that moment with him and Dex.
1: I love Dex so much. <laughs> I know, uh, in the, the Jude Watson books, uh, it was originally someone that, uh, Qui-Gon had helped, uh, Dex was, and, and they, uh, they met him through that way, and Obi-Wan just kept the friendship going, but it might be fun to maybe get an adventure set between episodes one and two, where Obi-Wan and Anakin, you know, are set on a mission, and they have, they help Dex, and then he comes back to Coruscant and opens this diner or something mm. so
3: yeah anyway I'll, that was so
1: into my head <laughs>
2: but disney plus just give us star wars detours it doesn't right. hurt yeah. the brand yeah. it'll be silly <laughs> it's fine nobody will take it too seriously like let's just let us see it finally um so i i think what you were saying carl really hooks into what i wanted to say about investigator obi-wan is um you know I I won't pretend to be the biggest Attack of the Clones fan, but I respect it. And I think one of the mistakes people make when they criticize it is they say there's just too much like random stuff in it and it's like well if, if George Lucas puts it in a movie he has a plan for it you can debate whether it's successful or not and so one of those scenes for me is uh, Obi-Wan in the classroom with Yoda and all the Padawans hmm. and I think when you're watching that for the first time and especially if you're kind of cynical about Attack of the Clones you're like yeah cutesy whatever okay the kid's got a lisp how adorable um, but it's <laughs> really weird because obi-wan just walks in the room and says like oh well i'm looking for a planet that should be right here but it's not every indication gives that it should be right here and it's not and it's really easy to write that off as a stupid scene but to me what it's demonstrating is the idea that there could possibly be a gap in the jedi's knowledge is Kind of outside of the realm of possibility mm. for Obi Wan in such an extreme way, and again, I'd go back to what I said about Episode One. You know, we don't think he's had a ton of experience outside the Order. It certainly shaped his his life. I, I, I totally agree with your point that Dexter shows us there's there's other kinds of authority in his life. But this is even after that, right? He's he's gone back to the temple with Dex's information, and he's like, <sighs> it's just impossible. And you know,
1: I think you know the, the part of kind of- reinforces that. If an item is not in our records, it does not exist. Yeah. And then i have to decide, well, who do I trust? You know, do I trust?
2: And, and so I, this is still a Kenobi I, that doesn't think the Jedi could be fallible to the extent that they have a gap in the archives or that some Jedi would erase it, even though mm-hmm. it's a simple answer from it's not Liam, right? Liam gets the shade. I forget who, what that Jedi, <laughs> the Jedi who yeah. answers the question is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a cousin named Liam, so it's always funny to me. I always want to say, to him, "Liam, the shade." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think it's really interesting in that moment that it is—it's—it's it's clunky if you forget to see it through the characters, right? I think the characters are acting in mm. character. It just feels silly to us. Who know all the answers already especially on repeat viewing so um, and that's what motivates him like then it becomes a problem now there is Mm. actually something that the Jedi don't know about and somebody erased it I'm gonna be driven on this detective story by making sure we figure out what the heck is going on here because it is a major threat to the Republic and the Jedi
1: yeah
3: that uh... What a yeah! What a great observation about approaching yeah. this kind of in a more POV lens. Um, mm. uh, oh, yeah. oh, and what's
2: the uh, what's the Mace Windu line, or or it's Yoda too, where they're having the conversation and it's it's saying that the Jedi um, are too sure of themselves. Is yeah. that what it is? Even uh, the older,
3: more experienced uh, ones.
2: Uh, yes, uh, yeah, that, that's the exact moment I was thinking of. Yeah. And, yeah, and that, um, to me, is always read as a line like, Yo, Kenobi, you also jumped out a window, <laughs> right? <Like,
1: laughs> <it, it>, Obi-Wan <laughs> says, well, his abilities have made him, well, arrogant. Yeah, it's a flaw far more common among Jedi, even yeah. the older, more experienced ones. And Yoda yeah. gives him that look kind of like you just said, like, you just jumped out a window.
0: <laughs> um,
2: so <laughs> and He'll go by himself. <laughs> Into Geonosis at the end of the movie, right? Yeah. Like, um and so he he has that arrogance and will keep trying to fight Dooku even when Anakin ne- gets knocked down. I, and then you know he ends the movie just laying there with a cut on his leg for like half the fight. But yeah. <laughs> we, we'll skip that part because that's the part I, I'm not too proud of my boy. About.
3: <laughs> I real quick though, just since we brought that scene up, I just thinking as as you were talking. Um, you know that scene where he he has that conversation with Obi Wan about the arrogance of the Jedi. That scene ends with Mace Windu saying, though, "Remember, if the prophecy is true, your apprentice is the only one who can bring the Force back into balance." Which that line is somewhat clunky, and yet kind of important to serving Obi Wan's story point of, "Hey, remember your responsibility. It's a big one, right?" Like so it kind of makes me want to even more so double down on, on this reality that just getting away on something else where he's not with the chosen one is probably like a breath of fresh air for him. Um, So, you know, that line is, I mean, again, it's, it's to me that the first evidence of Mace Windu's just for whatever reason, extreme depredation about Anakin um, trepidation, excuse me. Um, And, you know, here he is just reminding Obi-Wan of this massive weight on his shoulders. (laughs) So, um hey, hope you had a nice time at your friend's diner. Don't forget the fate of the galaxies on your hands. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Drinking
2: Jawa juice. Yeah. You
3: think you're real cool. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: Texas four arms can't keep a lid on Anakin. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so um, oh, so
2: two, yeah. wait, so two quick moments from Attack of the Clones I don't want to miss. Mm. Um, the quicker of the two is actually the second one, but it's When Padme falls out of the side of the gunship and Obi-Wan sees Anakin losing it and kind of completely out of control, I just point that Obi-Wan's only language to talk to Anakin is through duty. Right. Mm. So, again, if it was duty that kept him motivated in the episode one, it remains here. And what would Padme do if she were in your position? And finally, he breaks through to Anakin. She would do her duty. And they (laughs) they get through that moment. And then I I don't think we should leave Attack of the Clones. I don't know if that was what you're trying to do, Carl. But uh, without talking about the interrogation scene Mm. as well. Right. Because that's a really interesting Obi-Wan moment where he's, you know, again, he's trying to sniff out this threat, and he's told a version of the truth, you know, a slightly warped perspective of it. Um, So when we think about that scene and how he's kind of, you know, he clearly goes back and shares that information because they're all looking for the Sith Lord in the start of Revenge of the Sith. But it's really interesting to get that give and take with Obi-Wan and Dooku and to me, a kind of real possibility that Duku is won over by, or sorry, that Obi-Wan is won over by Dooku's charms. Not like to go become a Sith Lord, but I believe this version of events that Dooku's
1: presented. Hmm. Yeah, because not only is it from a very, you know, charismatic uh, leader, but he used to be a Jedi. Not only did he used to be a Jedi, he used to be Qui-Gon's master, which is someone in Obi-Wan's eyes, he automatically should respect um, and, and take what he says into uh deep consideration. But in this instance, he doesn't, he doesn't really. I mean, I think it gnaws at the back of his mind for the next three years, um, but he doesn't really give it the kind of deep consideration hmm. that Uh, you know, one might expect, you know. And, you know, Dooku walks in, and the first thing Obi-Wan says is traitor. But the question is, that I have, is he saying that Dooku's a traitor to the Republic, or a traitor to the Jedi? Because Mm he left. Because, as we have stated, duty drives Obi-Wan. Dooku, in his eyes, abandoned his duty.
3: Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to tackle this with with it's something else I think I, worth mentioning, even though it's a deleted scene, but it's a very good deleted scene from Attack of the Clones um, when he's in the uh, the uh, in the library staring at that bust of Count Dooku. Right. He's one of the lost 20. And in the deleted scene, Jocasta Nu comes up and says, you know, oh, he became Obi-Wan says, Why did he leave? And she's like, well, I think he ultimately just became disillusioned and just walked away. And Obi-Wan goes, I don't understand. So kind of to your point, Greg, right? Like he just he doesn't understand. He can't fathom the thought of walking away from the Jedi. Like it just it doesn't cross his mind. Um, so to your point, Jason, with that question, I feel like he's saying traitor to the Republic because at this point he just knows Dooku is leading a separatist movement. He doesn't know he's a Sith. He doesn't know he has an allegiance with a Sith Lord named Darth Sidious. Um, he doesn't even, Obi- Duku doesn't admit to that even in this scene. Um, he just says they're in control of it. He doesn't say I'm his apprentice. <laughs> um, so I think from that point of view, Dooku is a traitor to the Republic. He's, he's creating this this disruption of of this beautiful system in Obi-Wan's eyes. Um, but as far as him being a traitor to the Jedi, Obi-Wan, de- like, he's not a traitor. He just doesn't understand. It doesn't compute, right? Like, that doesn't make any sense to him. I, and I love that little deleted scene. I mean, you can find it anywhere on YouTube. It's on the DVDs. It's on Disney+. Plus. But it's a great little deleted scene that shows just how ingrained of a Jedi Obi-Wan is right that that the thought of anyone walking away makes no sense to him which is probably why he always doubles down throughout Clone Wars which we'll hop into here shortly whenever there's moments of Anakin hinting at that like he's got a relationship with Padme maybe he'll leave this idea of Anakin leaving it's just like no, no you can't do that like that just Jedi don't do that um type of a thing so um
2: I just want to echo what you say, and, and I have always read Ewan's performance in the interrogation scene, is he's saying the words that he should be saying, but he doesn't look like he fully believes them. Qui-Gon Jinn would never join you.
0: Uh,
2: maybe he would. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> well, um, And, you know, uh, I don't believe you. Uh, I kind of believe you a little bit, right? Like, I think he's really struggling in that moment, and you know, and and then when it comes down to the end of the movie, he's so involved in the action. There's there's kind of no time to to think more about those, and it's about stopping Dooku, not killing Dooku, right? But stopping him to prevent the war from ex- escalating. Um, and so it's not really uh, until the very end. Um, and I uh, sorry, I I don't watch Attack of the Clones as much as you two, but it is Obi Wan who says it would not have been a victory without the clones yeah. and then Yoda corrects him and right. says victory, victory. Oh, I'm not gonna do the voice, but
0: victory. uh
3: probably <laughs> the the Doctor. <laughs> the dark side has fallen. And, and, uh, the Clone War has. You just gotta let it bleed so- out, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> when jason starts you can't let you just can't stop it
2: <laughs> but I, I really think that that's a revelation to obi-wan even there mm. like he still is like nope republic standing we won and it's like oh no it's it's going on to a dark place just, just as yoda slash jason reminded us
3: so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh well I, clone wars i think is through some of the biggest uh wrenches maybe that's the wrong expression but through some of the biggest curveballs into the kenobi oh, they're called
1: spanners spanners
3: Excuse, in star thank you. wars thank you <laughs>
1: <laughs> the
3: advanced ones are the hydro spanners right you know
1: because <laughs> we know those fall on han's head all the time
3: so <laughs> um, but so uh, I'll, I'll just start this um, and uh, then you two please come in uh, i you know, Jason, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago and we had Emily on talking about kind of the advantage of some of what the animated shows have done for the rest of the saga. And and all of us talked about how one of the greatest things Clone Wars did was actually give us evidence of the brotherly relationship of Anakin and Obi-Wan because that does not exist in episodes two and three. Barely in episode three, like it's a little bit there in the beginning. But Clone Wars really gives us this sense that these two – Um, have become brothers in a sense. And I think it is unique that it happens in the context of a war, right? Like I've never been in war Mm. and God forbid I ever have to be in war. Um, But, you know, countless soldiers throughout the test of time have talked about this brotherly bond that exists among soldiers on the battlefield. I almost wonder if the bond between Anakin and Obi-Wan would have been what it was, had it not been for the Clone Wars, um you know not to say that they couldn't have become friends but um i mean the relationship that they form on the battlefield is is a very unique one that i don't think many jedi were were uh, creating before before that time period um so i think you know th- that's the biggest thing that stands out to me in clone wars is just that that the the, the solidity of that relationship
1: yeah you know, I, I, I do think that Anakin and Obi-Wan uh, probably would have, you know, become pretty good friends without the war, um, largely because Obi-Wan is probably the only one that has any sort of idea what being the chosen one might mean to Anakin, uh, because that kind of isolates Anakin from others. uh so I think the two of them might have stayed close just because of that. If the war hadn't happened, however, because the war happened, it's it created like this this almost like band of brothers, you know, relationship with the two of them, uh, and uh, it, you know, very very quickly from uh, what we can tell. Uh, I know, you know, at least early on in the war, Obi Wan is still trying to, you know, kind of pull back from being too much of a teacher still. Um, but by the end of it, it, he's really kind of stopped that altogether. You know, he's letting Anakin have his autonomy. Um, he still counsels him, but you know, it's, it's Anakin's decision. Uh, but yeah, the, the biggest thing about Obi-Wan in the Clone Wars is this relationship with Anakin and the fact that he is now a general. Hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's a role that he was not supposed to play. You know, as a Jedi, but he does, and he does it well, because Obi-Wan never does anything half-heartedly. Obi-Wan does everything to the full of, fullest of his ability. And now he's a general,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he's very good at it, tactically speaking, and just martially as well. So, which I think concerns him at times, but, uh, it's something that he doesn't you know it, it's it's what his duty is right now
0: mm-hmm.
1: is to be this so he will do it even if it's doesn't quite sit right with him so um
2: there's a lot there to chew on thanks thanks for those comments jason um i think where i was immediately drawn is um I am the weirdo who really likes the Clone Wars movie. Like, I would watch that <laughs> more than some other ones. Um, but one of the things that stands out about the beginning of the Clone Wars movie to me, and I know that there are episodes that take place as prequels to the to the movie, so it's not exactly the very beginning anymore. There's the trench stuff ahead of that. But I always think of that as kind of the spiritual beginning of, of that run. And um, the, the fact that Obi-Wan is dang sure he's about to get a new apprentice, right? It's this little picture of what Obi-Wan thought his life as a Jedi was going to be, right? I'm just a teacher, and I'm going to cycle through student after student after student. I mean, again, we, we're going to get this story of how Anakin became a knight. But Obi-Wan's like, good, he's out the door. Next next class, let's get another uh, Padawan uh, immediately. Um, And then the other piece of that and, and, you know, just a shout out in passing to James Arnold Taylor, who is just so great as as Kenobi. Um, The other piece in the Clone Wars movie where he is still like so arrogant right and his very uh kind of showy uh negotiations with loathsome i think is the general's name right um who uh you know and he's obviously stalling for time so anakin can go do the the work but he's doing all these kind of really arrogant show y things which feel over you know it's obi-wan dialed to 11 or 12 and it's really kind of a, a bizarre kind of insight into him Uh, And where he is at the beginning of this war uh, that then becomes the kind of skilled general. Um,
1: It's what he picked up from Anakin, but he only does it when Anakin's not around.
2: (laughs) That's a good read on it. Uh, And then, uh, you know, over the whole run of the show, there's so much to pick up on on him. But I I think one piece i would say is it's easy to forget how much obi-wan goes through right Mm -hmm. you know he's still charismatic smoothie ewan mcgregor at the start of revenge of the sith but we've now seen he's he's loved he's lost he's been in battle after battle you know he did the face-off thing and (laughs) went undercover with bounty hunters he went to republic jail for a stint and like so i i think to me one thing that comes across across the clone wars um besides the brother that was you both and he just you know they asked too much of him, and he did but they really asked a lot of him during these years.
3: Mm. He did his mm. duty. He did, yeah, he did his duty. And and he's not, one, he's not the one he's not the one he's not the type to complain about it unlike Anakin. Um Anakin right. will let you know when he's bothered by <laughs> by tasks. Mm. <laughs> um yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I think for me, the biggest thing that I, we got to sink our teeth to sink our teeth into with Clone Wars is obviously the fact of Satine. Right. Um, and here, here's a question I pose to both of you, just just for the sake of context. When that storyline was introduced in the Clone Wars, right, this reality that Obi-Wan had a, a relationship, uh, a situationship, I think, as the kids call it today, um, with Satine. Um, you know, and, and he, he says in that, that episode, you know, if you had asked, I would have left, um, uh, it's, I mean, I'll start and just say, I remember when I first saw that, I was like, this is so stupid. They just broke Obi-Wan canon, like that. You know, I, it's sadly, I can be very knee jerky in my fandom, mm. like a lot of folks. Um, but I will at least confidently say I'm, I'm, I'm open to being proven wrong or proven otherwise. And I've obviously come to love Satine. And I want, and we're going to talk more about that, but I am curious what you both thought when Satine storyline was brought in, um, you know, Greg, you know, you, being that you were such a Kenobi fanatic, did that throw you at all? Did it? Did it seem out of left field? Did it seem inappropriate to to who he was?
2: I think it was a big shift in Obi Wan's history. Right? We'd never had any hint of this, and by all indications, you know, he would have just been raised to be a good Jedi in the temple. So it was kind of shocking but to me. It really fit his character well because it was a I would have, right? Mm. If it had been I left the order for six months and we, you know, had a wonderful trip through the Outer <laughs> Rim, that's one thing. But, like, this was just a reminder that, yeah, he's done his duty, he's been obedient, and there was a cost to it. There was mm. another life out there for him. And one of the first things it it made me think about at the time and, and probably where what I've thought about the most in regards to that I mean, even before we knew that he witnessed Satine's death and was somewhat responsible, quote unquote, for her death, meaning that set up the circumstances by wronging Maul and all that, not literally cutting her up or anything. Um, I thought of Sir Alec in the in the uh, desert. That is a long time. And, you know, obviously, that's part of where why we're talking about this tonight is we're about to fit some of that in but you're thinking about 17 years in the desert and you had a love. You had a life you could have built, right? You, you walked away from that to do your duty and now you're given the most kind of solitary, isolated outpost of that duty. And while I'm sure he's very committed to it, like how could you not spend that time wishing it had all worked out with the cute blonde lady from
1: Mandalore, right? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, it, <laughs> it was surprising that they went there, but it didn't feel wrong to me. Mm. Uh, and the reason why, I brought it up earlier, uh, I brought these up earlier, it's the Jude Watson Jedi Apprentice books mm. that I devoured right after the Phantom Menace came out as a kid. Um, in those books, Obi-Wan leaves the Order for about six months to join a Uh, a group of freedom fighters of, of young adult freedom fighters on a planet uh, against the instructions of Mm. Qui-Gon. And Qui-Gon has to come back later and rescue him, um, get him out of the situation. And, and Obi-Wan returns to the order after that. Um, So, Quick, Honestly, Jason,
3: really quick, just a quick question. Are those, do those books, are they meant to... Do they all take place prior to episode one or are they post-episode one? Yeah. Prior, oh, okay, obviously. Yeah. Otherwise, he would be with Anakin. One. Yes, good point. Sorry. Yeah. Stupid question, Carl.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the, the series then pro- progresses into Obi-Wan and Anakin stories Got
3: afterwards. It. Okay.
1: Um, okay. But uh, yeah, no, the... Uh, so that was... That kind of floated up in the back of my mind when the, you know, the reveal that he had had this relationship with Satine first came up. So it wasn't something that, you know, yeah, it's not canon, the the Jude Watson Jedi Apprentice books, but it's still a formative part of my understanding of an early Obi-Wan Kenobi. Hmm. So um, that kind of sat in the back of my head still. So that was, it wasn't um, unusual. It was kind of like, I feel like the Clone Wars is not... At those books in a way, mm. I think. Yeah. So, um, so it didn't seem wrong to me, but it was a little surprising that they actually flat out went there. So, um, but it worked. It worked really, really well.
3: Yeah, that's. Uh, it, it makes me want to kind of just check those books out just for fun. Um, uh, you know,
1: they're 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 easy reads, but there's a lot of good stuff in them. Yeah. It's, so. I mean, sounds
3: like it. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I, I don't have much to add because I think Greg, uh, what you said, especially was, was so poignant about the story of Satine f- is really about showing what Obi-Wan gave up, you know, the cost of being a Jedi. Um, it's easy to be something your whole life. If that's all you've ever known and all you've ever experienced. Um, but there's when you, when you, you know, when there's a cost to it, um, it, it also makes it that much more special. Um, and I think I think it's worth noting, though, that the, the exchange in that episode of Clone Wars, when he says, you know, if you had asked, I would have left the Jedi Order. Clearly, Satine never asked that of him because I think she understood that that was his place um, and, and in all the right ways. Right. Like she understood that his life. His life was best served by being a Jedi, not being with her. Um, and yeah. in
1: in this respect, she is just like Obi Wan in the mm. duty aspect. No one, they are the yeah. same person when it comes to duty. They they are duty first to. obi we want it's for the Jedi with Satine, it was to Mandalore. So yeah, she would have never asked the question. Yeah, and that's and that she has to live with that too. Because they could have had something. So it's not only did Obi-Wan have to live with that, the possibility, but she did, too. Yeah. Because if you asked the question, everything would have changed for the two of them. Mm-hmm.
2: Put it another way, but just agree with Jason. You know, what made her perfect for Obi-Wan is that she wouldn't ask.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. Ugh. Yeah. 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 And... um Wow. Are you it swelling
2: is. up across the stars yeah. in the background? Just,
3: mm. I mean, when- <laughs> that's, sure. that, that's not their song. <laughs> I'm not giving them that. But they do have a song in Clone Wars, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I will search for it as we speak. But um, that is such a great point about uh, yeah, I mean, how perfect they are for one another because of that simple reality. Um, and as I play the music here in the background... We talked about this music, this particular track. I talked about it last year on our musical Mayhem. Um, This, just like Across the Stars, there's a, there's a hint of kind of tragedy in it, right? Like there's a, there's a tragedy to their love that they could never be together. Um, So, gosh, that's, yeah, that's just so good. Um, And Oh, I, I was thinking – I was just thinking something else and it went right out of my head. So I'm going to just shut up and hopefully it will come back. <laughs> uh,
2: I'll ask the most important question then. What about the Corky of it all? You guys believe <laughs> – you believe Corky could actually be –
3: Corky the Kenobi? The
2: secret love child of Obi-Wan and Satine? No. <laughs> yeah,
3: I, I would say no. no only because of the fact that – you know because they are so – they're so committed to the promises they've made to their subsequent lifestyles that i don't it's not to shame it if they did but i just think that they're so dedicated to i think you know they examined the question of can we be together they determined together that they shouldn't be it wasn't the best choice for them which just to me just precludes the fact that they would would have gotten into bed together um you know, again, if yeah. they did, cool, like that's fine. There's no shame in it, but I just don't see that being their story.
1: No, I, I don't either. I, I'm, I'm in 100% agreement with Carl on this one. It's, you know, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are on this long-term mission as protectors for Satine. That's how they met. That's how they, they got entwined in each other's lives. Obi Wan, you're is saying just,
2: there were some <laughs> entwining, though. I hear you. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> oh, the look I, he just showed me on, on the that recording, is everyone, <laughs> not
1: what I'm just that is not what I'm saying at all. Because <laughs> Obi Wan is on a mission; it is his duty to protect her, and he will not take advantage of that. If, if he's, you know, he will not take advantage of that because of his duty. So it's something they consider it's definitely mm-hmm. something considered something they talked about. So I can see them going off and just spending a moonlit night, sitting out in the, the Hills staring up at the stars, but I don't think it got any farther than that.
3: They may have held so. hands. I could see that. I could, see, I could see them sharing. Oh, a, yeah. I could That's see cool. even see them sharing a kiss or something, but um, yeah. who knows now,
1: anything on just the, the little things like that. I don't, I don't see it happening.
3: We're so PG, Greg. <laughs>
2: I know <laughs> it's, it's true. I mean, it, it, totally fair. And, but I was thinking in my head again, asking I'm like, does that mean Kenobi died a virgin? Like probably was he that committed to the order? I mean, that's, that's a monk, right? That's, yeah. that's, you know, the life yeah. it seems to be what the Jedi were asking of them, but he did, see uh Rael, i'm talking about him way more than i expected yeah. to tonight um saying that the problem is attachment right and that's kind of where the high republic is it's like you can't get attached but you can have you know relationships in some ways and, mm-hmm. and so on so uh yeah i don't i don't want you to answer that question but i i do think it's very so i i'm not a quirky kenobi believer but i will say it is very weird that in Filoni's intricate planning we have a nephew or seemingly a third sibling in this family that we've tracked a lot of and a lot of the history of. And so the more we learn about Bo-Katan and Satine, it just seems weird to me that there's also another sibling, right? Mm. It's not my poor memory. That's an accurate representation of of where the story's at.
1: Yeah. it's Porky is is, uh, Satine's nephew. So she calls is, him Ned. And
2: is not Bo-Katan's son? There's there's no connection there that we know of.
1: I don't know. There might yeah. be. He might be Bo-Katan's son. Just, it just feels very
2: un to me to not have that planned out better.
1: <laughs> and, I think it might yeah, be faloney just putting something there and saying, let's just see what the fandom comes up with. <laughs> um, All right. So
2: I'll just I'll, – I'll give my love to the believers out there. I, I won't dash it completely <laughs> because I know a lot of people love that theory. But
3: Yeah, I, it's, it's, sure. I don't care either way. <laughs> I just I, – yeah, my understanding of Kenobi is no just because of my understanding of Kenobi. I feel like they, But didn't yeah.
2: you just say that it's so much more meaningful if you know you're giving up? Right, he tasted the. No, I'm just. saying.
3: <laughs> You're really pushing that.
1: <laughs> oh uh, my goodness! No, I'm, um, I, I, I but think he's it, doing it because of my reactions right now. I, yeah, it's fun to
2: poke the bear, poke the poke, poke the wild animal. <laughs> uh,
3: well, and I, I another aspect of the revelation of that relationship with Satine is it does give him uh, a layered response to Anakin's. Uh, probable relationship with padme and i think that's something else in clone wars that is very clearly hinted at is that again obi-wan doesn't know the extent of their relationship but he knows that one exists um and one of my favorite scenes in clone wars is it's in the clovis arc when he goes to anakin's bedroom and kind of confronts him with this and says you know like hey it's normal to have these feelings you know about me and satine Um, you know, it's not that we're not allowed to have them. It's just what we, what we do with them. You know, we've made this promise. We've have this duty to this order. So, you know, we don't act on them. Um, and you know, Anakin gets so upset in that moment, just further selling the fact that there's clearly something going on (laughs) and, but Obi-Wan never sells him out on it. You know, it, and, and that was always something that kind of disappointed me with Obi Wan in that reality of that story arc is, and it's maybe it's just because he's so awkward and he doesn't know how to talk about it, but he he still kind of just shirks the opportunity to really have a conversation with Anakin about the the extent of what all that could mean um even in you know one of those later episodes i think it was in the last season of clone wars when anakin's having like a quick private holocam chat with padme and he comes out and obi-wan says did you tell padme i said hello or something like that right like he knows <laughs> yeah. whenever anakin tries to be sly obi-wan's like i know what you're doing like i found your magazines um you know like <laughs> i know what's up um but I, I don't know if it's just his, there's a timidity between, for Obi-Wan, but it, it there is this opportunity through his relationship with Satine to really connect with Anakin about this. And and he doesn't. And, and, I, and I say that also, again, kind of, you know, as we're projecting thinking of that time of exile in the desert how much that's got to weigh on him. Like, if, why didn't I say this? Or if, if only I'd confronted him about this and given more opportunity to, to have honest conversations about that relationship. Instead, I let him just stay hidden with it and look at it, crushed him. This is all my fault, right, um, type of a thing.
2: I completely agree. Everything you just said about Anakin and Padme and Obi-Wan wondering if he should have said more and then double it again for Anakin and Palpatine right? Ooh. Should I have been the one that Anakin could come to? Should I have been the one that helped him with his actual problems? Dota and I didn't do our job, right? When he came to us, we said, oh, I'm, now we're headed into Revenge of the Sith. But Like, you know, should I have been better at that side of the relationship and not just let it go because now here on the other side it was just as damaging, right? So both of those relationships.
1: Yeah. I think... My my read on the situation, uh, from Obi Wan's perspective, is the reason why he doesn't push it with Anakin and Padme, um, and I think I think he has a conversation somewhere in the Clone Wars to this extent. Is that Anakin is very much alone as the Chosen One, and Padme is good for him, mm. you know. She, she helps ground him. Uh, she can reach him in ways that Obi-Wan can't. Um, and he, he needs a friend. I think Obi-Wan success, uh, suspects fully how far they're going. I think I would not be surprised if Obi-Wan suspected they were married very early on. But he doesn't bring it up um because it's they're they're in a war let anakin have some happiness you know and if he asks too many questions if he pushes the issue then he will be forced to if anakin admits anything to his suspicions he'll be forced to take it to the council
0: mm-hmm.
1: and one doesn't want to do that to anakin and so he won't ask and he won't push it so that he doesn't have to do that duty. That's my read on the situation. So it,
3: that, th- that's a great point, Jason. it just made me think of a question um, for the two of you is, who's Obi-Wan's mentor at this point, right? Like he, who does he go to? Who does he go to when he's feeling conflicted? Um, because Quigon's been gone for a long time. Who does Who does Obi Wan confide in? I think that's a super important aspect of being a Jedi is to have someone you can confide in. I mean, at the end of the day, they always kind of imply like Yoda's there for everybody, and it, and it seems that he is. But Yoda, I mean, his his wisdom is always shaped by his commitment to the being the Grand Master of the Jedi Order. So who does Obi Wan mm-hmm. get to go to? Does he have anybody?
2: Um, Not really. you know, Yario Poof. Your <laughs> old drinking buddies.
1: Yariel's dead by the time we. Get to <laughs> That's true.
2: Just because he looks too much like the Caminoans, it's lame. Yeah. <laughs> Justice for
1: poop. <laughs> Hashtag more That's poop. Yeah. That's good. finally got him. You yeah.
3: know. Um. Well. Kind of now running into Revenge of the Sith. If you if if you if you both are okay going into that. Um. Mm-hmm. I think something that really grabs me because it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie is that that intense encounter that between Obi-Wan and Anakin in the hallway outside of the council chamber, right? After Anakin's been named to the council, but he's not a master. Uh, and and I want to bring this up first because it, it it carries a through line from some stories in Clone Wars, which is um, I can't remember the name of the arc, but it's when Obi-Wan becomes uh, that bounty hunter, right? He kind of disguises himself, fakes his own death to to fool Anakin. Um, and- the the <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and they're on Naboo there. And, you know, it finally is revealed to Anakin, like, Oh, like Obi-Wan has been in on this. He's been working with the council. And I love that scene where Anakin's like, how do you know that you know the whole truth, right? Like, so there, there have been seeds planted that Anakin, doesn't trust the council and now by extension his trust in obi-wan is diminished a bit because obi-wan is part of that that society that that in group if you will and then here in this scene again as we've talked throughout the whole the whole show so far obi-wan's duty doesn't allow him to not ask this really awkward thing of anakin now again the revenge of the sith novel which is one of the most brilliant novels ever written in the history of humanity. Um, As I was saying this with an American lit professor, Um, but uh, um, there is a, there is a scene in the novel where Obi-Wan pushes back against the council when they give him the assignment. And he's like, you don't understand what you're asking of me. Like this is going to crush Anakin. It's going to crush his under his relationship with, with Palpatine. And it's going to crush our relationship and his relationship with all of you. Um, so I I love that that scene is in the novel, that Obi-Wan doesn't just say, OK, fine, I'll do it like he does it because he, he offers up his, you know, here's why I don't think I should do it. They say, nope, you're going to do it. And he says, all right, I'm going to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, in that scene, like you can't help but think uh he's he's severing his relationship with Anakin in ways he never wanted to. And and again, the, the genius of Ewan's acting in that scene, he's like, when Anakin says, Why are you asking this of me? He won't look at Anakin when he says the council is asking. Right? Like he won't even make eye contact with him. He looks off and and he correctly puts the blame where it ought to be. But it is interesting that, you know, Obi-Wan you might almost say he kind of sells out the council in a way. Um and I don't say that in a in a judgmental way, but just like he can't in any way harbor that this is his designs, right? Um it's hurting him so much to ask it.
2: Well we've talked so much about how he is perhaps the consummate Jedi or bound to his duty and his honor. Um and this is a moment the dialogue you just recited was in my head before you even said it because the moment he pulls himself away from the the council right like mm-hmm. the council is asking you now he is a member of the council and you know maybe like you're saying it, it went to a vote and he lost the vote he's still doing it so he's doing his duty while also saying like but it's not me buddy like you know he seems to to show the crack there and let a little daylight in and and remind anakin
1: that that's there um I'm on the side. I didn't want to have to ask you this you know mm-hmm. yeah
2: yeah, and, you know, I think, you know, as as we alluded to before, if there's anything in the films that really show the brotherhood, it's that first, you know, 20, 30 minutes uh, on, on the Star Cruiser. And so to have this scene you're discussing come after that, you could debate how effective it is. But what they were clearly going for is that this is the, you know, the great betrayal or, you know, the breaking of this brotherhood. And they're going to separate – very soon and not return until they're you know fighting right until they're attacking each other um so i think i think you're right that that i i I sometimes forget all the details of that clone wars arc but it really did do a nice job of like planting these seeds of anakin doesn't trust the jedi order and obi-wan has shown that he can't be trusted to separate himself fully from whatever is impacting the jedi order
3: Oh, and, and that made the Craig like to continue off that thought. It makes me think, and this is going a little bit off Obi-Wan, but into Anakin, like I've always just kind of wondered, like, why is it when when Padme says, what about Obi-Wan? Maybe Obi-Wan can help us. And he's always just like, no, he can't help us. It's like, well, why are you so quick? But here's kind of some of the evidence, because Obi-Wan is so sold into the council now, like he, he can't be trusted. If we tell him, we don't know that it, we just don't get tattled on. <laughs> so. Um yeah. So that, that, yeah, just great point. Here's the interesting thing.
1: Obi-Wan is bound by duty to the Jedi Council, to the Jedi Order. However, he is bound by loyalty to Anakin. And that has come into conflict, you know, hmm. particularly towards the end of the Clone Wars and in Revenge of the Sith. Um And it's why at the end on Mustafar, when Anakin will not you know come back from the the darkness that obi-wan is just broken because everything he was devoted for is gone yeah everything and why he immediately jumps in to devoting himself to protecting luke and to watch over luke because you know we we see that you know There is a a crack in Obi-Wan's facade in Revenge of the Sith because the Jedi Order, the Council, and Anakin are starting to go separate ways. And Obi-Wan is stuck straddling the middle, trying to hold the two together. And he doesn't like being in that situation. He doesn't want to have to choose. In the end, the choice is made for him because he won't choose. Um... Because he wants to save both. Um, Hmm. And he sees that in Luke. He can save both the legacy of his friend Anakin. And perhaps the Jedi Order. And that's why he, I think, why he devotes himself so completely to his task. It's his duty.
2: Yeah, and and your comments are making me think about how one of the things that's so beautiful and operatic about Revenge of the Sith, which is my favorite of the prequels. I think I'm the only one here who would say that, which is cool. I think we're spread out pretty evenly yeah. between the three, actually. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one of the reasons I love how operatic this kind of final movement is is like a good tragedy. It's all, it's a done deal before the crawl starts on Revenge of the Sith. Everything that leads to it, it has already been done, and Obi-Wan is probably working harder than any other character to stop it, to end the the kind of forces of destiny, to steal another Star Wars title, I guess, uh, <laughs> to to put a stop to it and and make there be a different outcome. But it's all too late. It's all been sealed from, you know, Attack of the Clones onward, maybe from the marriage to Padme, maybe from... From Palpatine in the end of Phantom Menace saying, we will watch your career with great interest, right? This has all been sealed. And he's trying desperately to, to stop it and and can't. And I think some of those moments you mentioned are him um desperately trying to to stop what he knows is inevitable um about this um i'll i'll tack on you know uh, one of my favorite scenes in revenge of the sith um that's a kind of acquired one and it's a nice counterpoint to the one you brought up carl is when the two of them are are saying goodbye as obi-wan heads out to fight grievous and it it does i think appear to be the last time anakin and obi-wan speak and knowing that it's Darth Vader by the time their their bodies are together again or, or they're interacting again. And I've always loved that moment, and I thought it did a lot more for their relationship than the earlier kind of fun, jokey stuff that, you know, mm. is fun and is Saturday morning serial. But when you get to here, this is where you realize that Again, for whatever reason, they chose not to show it initially. Uh, they they saved it for an animated series. But that they've been through a lot in these intervening years, and that he's gone from this is my student to this is my brother. And mm. um, when you're talking about how he's his duty is to the loyalty to to Anakin, Jason made me think of that scene, and that that is him, you know, expressing that love and that loyalty. And what is that except an attachment, right? What is that except the very thing the Jedi said we don't want you to have? And he's deeply attached to Anakin. And that's going to make him, you know, so desperate to save him and to prevent what happens. Um, you know, it, and to me, that all connects. I'll, I'll wrap up by just knowing then it connects to the moment where they watch the recording and Obi-Wan pleads. He says, send me after the Emperor. I can't kill him. I can't go after Anakin. Um, that's an attachment, getting in the way of duty, right? Yeah. Obi-Wan has fallen in much the same way. Um, and it, his his love of his brother is going to, you know, just rip him to shreds in the last half hour of this movie. We get some beautiful Kenobi screaming uh, at the on the landing platform. So...
3: What to to quote Vision from WandaVision, What is love if not attachment to Anakin? So <laughs> <laughs>
2: he's, he's the only guy people are in love with in yeah. the whole galaxy, <laughs> <Yeah>. I
3: guess. <laughs> True. I mean, he does have a handsome why. face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um No, that, that's that's oh, it's so brilliant, and um, yeah, because that was the la- that was the next thing I was I was going to actually mention as well is this. <laughs> this really um difficult scene where obi-wan sees that hollow hollow video of anakin just you know destroying the temple destroying everything obi-wan's in love with like de- destroying obi-wan's life you know in inadvertently and Again, this is another scene that just plays out so much better in the the novel than it does on screen. It's, I can't watch anymore. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's like as good as you and is as an actor, like, that's hard. That's just like a hard thing to sell when it's just such a poorly written, like, little part of the script. But in the novel, like, we're told that he's he's like falling on the ground. He can't even stand up. Like, he is just demolished body and soul and and yoda really chastises him in the book in a way that he, he i mean he chastises him in the movie as well but in the book like it's like hey stand up you're a jedi let it go that's attachment let it go uh, again like so if you've not read the revenge of the sith novel get the hell on it <laughs> it's so good um but uh yeah i mean this and it's
2: right it, after that scene that he goes Let's see, he goes walking through like the big concert hall and he's singing, right? Why does my heart cry? Feelings I can't fight. You're free to leave me, but just don't deceive me. And please believe me when I say I love you. Oh, no, that's Moulin Rouge. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. I got those confused again. <laughs> I,
3: I feel like they're, they're, they're parallel storylines. Um, <laughs> um, I wish
2: I could have sang Roxanne to you, but I <laughs> lack the skills. I'll let you handle that. I but can't do that It either. is very funny that those movies are so entwined um, because mm-hmm. you're right. It is you and suffering in much the same way. So
1: anyway. yeah,
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, just, just that sense of but- – he was of- just made
1: to suffer. It's his lot in life. Um. <laughs> well,
3: it, his his denial in that moment, you know, his denial that Anakin could have could have done who could have done this? Um, you know, and even though Yoda knows. And I think when when Obi-Wan says that, like Yoda knows immediately who it was. And I just feel like Obi-Wan is so broken in that moment. He doesn't really know until he sees it. I I, I think, again, in the novel, this plays out so much more tragically. He's becoming aware who it is, and he's like, "Hold on a second, Master Yoda. I want to look into the. This is. It's almost like going into the comment section on social media. Never a good thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's where the worst of everybody comes out. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, so he tries to caution him away from it. And I think for Obi Wan, like, it, it is. It it is almost the sense of denial. And I'm going to I'm going to project forward here just for the sake of, of this thematic element. And and we can come back to this a little bit more, but does does he believe Anakin to be dead at the end of Revenge of the Sith? And I'm going to I'm going to interject right here and just say, I think he does. Like, I think he believes Anakin is dead. Like when he leaves Mustafar, he knows the emperor is coming, but he's fairly confident Anakin's dead. He was just on fire. <laughs> um, so whenever it's revealed that Darth Vader exists and he's in a life support system, I'm almost wondering, is there going to be an element of denial in that, too? Like, no, 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 no. Like, this is the Emperor playing a game. Like, it's, it's, it is not my Anakin, right? Um, what do you both think of that? Like, do you think when it becomes apparent that Darth Vader is still alive, uh, is Obi-Wan going to crumble into some level of denial for that? I, d- I don't think so
1: because he knows Anakin and he knows how close Anakin courts death
0: hmm.
1: you know Anakin Anakin is a daredevil he risks his own life to succeed every time it's necessary and even sometimes when it's not Um I don't think Obi-Wan will deny it I think he might have a hard time accepting it, but I don't think the denial that, you know, that Anakin survived or what used to be Anakin survived, um, would be something that would, would, uh, linger over him. So. Uh,
2: it makes me think of Ahsoka in rebels, right? Who, as I recall, she gets the flash as they're fighting in space. And she's like, wait, like, was that? Did I just feel what I thought I felt? And then the uh, duel is obviously where she really figures it out and the cracking of the helmet and all that. Hmm. But, right. That's just the, in the tournament right now. So I think, you know, I think I see Obi-Wan as being very similar. Um, there's not a lot out there to tell us exactly how the galaxy explained Vader. I, It makes me think of, you know, people after A New Hope in the real world who said, like, is is he a robot? Is he a human? Like, we're not entirely sure. I could see that being the true in the galaxy. Like, we don't know what this guy is or who he is. Um, So I suspect that as soon as Obi-Wan learns that Darth Vader exists, I think he's going to start to have that little shred of doubt in the back of his mind and start to wonder, did Anakin survive? Could that be anakin and you know what you're describing carl could very easily be the inciting incident of the series right Mm -hmm. he sees a hollow recording of of vader and is very sure of it but i think i'm similar to jason in thinking that he's not going to collapse or feel guilt about what he did um in the gap between darkness and despair hope survives that's that's what the trailer said, right? So yeah. I think he would react with hope. I think he would be like, "Oh my God! If 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 that's actually Anakin, we we can do this, right? We can we can end this reign of terror. We can we can mm. undo what has been done." Um, and, and so I'm going to throw your own question back at you, but I'm going to then fold in we didn't devote time um, to rebels, but. Kenobi, the character in Rebels, makes it clear, or at least as he says it to Maul, that he now believes Luke is the chosen one, mm. right? And so when you're thinking about how he would react to Vader and all that, how does that play into like what you see Obi-Wan doing at the end of Revenge of the Sith or into the show? Do you think he's protecting who he believes is the new chosen one and will forget about Anakin and just concentrate here, or...? How
3: does that play out? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. Um, And I guess from that lens, I would say I think he – I think the the idea of the Chosen One as this prophecy – Maybe, if anything, as we talked about a little bit earlier, right, uh, I asked both of you, you know, does does Obi-Wan really believe this at the end of episode one? And, and right, like he kind of chooses to believe it on behalf of Qui-Gon. So maybe with what happens at the end of Revenge of the Sith, with Anakin falling to the dark side and Obi-Wan having to inevitably kill him, I think for him, um, yeah, there is a new chosen one now. Like, it, it it's not that the chosen one is... Chosen one, capital C capital O, I think it's lowercase C and O, and Anakin was the chosen one, but he fell, so the force is giving them a new chosen one in Luke um a little unfair that Leia doesn't get any love, but that's mainly because George Lucas didn't write that till nineteen eighty three um but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you can only do so much with that, but uh um you know, yeah, so i would i I do think it plays into probably how he approaches the prophecy too, is I I feel like he's less showy and dramatic with it than perhaps Qui-Gon was or certainly Dooku for that matter. So yeah, I think for him, Luke has become that new chosen one. Um, And it means something a little less intense. So that's kind of how I would read it. What about you? What do you think, Jason? Yeah. uh, Obi-Wan is nothing if not a pragmatist. Um, He's
1: very practical. um, And I do think that in terms of the Chosen One, it is sort of a a, a nebulous kind of prophecy. Hmm. And so if someone is the Chosen One and they don't live up to it, then it's fluid and that mantle can move and transfer. And Obi-Wan is very practical in that res- respect. He's he's not going to be idealistic with the Chosen One, uh, where Qui-Gon might have been a bit more so. Um Obi-Wan is very practical and would say, well, Anakin can't be the Chosen One now because of he's not Anakin anymore. He's Darth Vader. Uh So that means the mantle of the Chosen One has to move on, and mm-hmm. he believes it falls on Luke. Um Correct me if I'm wrong, but in the security hologram, Palpatine referred to Anakin as... Lord Vader, right? Yes. Mm. Okay. Yep. So as soon as as soon as Obi Wan mm. hears the name Darth Vader, he has to know that that's Anakin. Mm. Big you call. Know, yeah. Big yeah. So yeah. Um. So I don't think it's very long after Revenge of the Sith before Obi Wan has any sort of inkling that that some form of what used to be Anakin Skywalker survived. Mm. Uh. And obviously, I I do think. The Obi Wan, the old Obi Wan point of view of Anakin being dead, really kind of mm-hmm. is Obi Wan's only way to process this yeah. in order to be able to move forward. Because otherwise, he's going to be constantly looking back on trying to save Anakin and save any sort of something that that he might have been holding on to. But he has to let go in order to move forward, in order to shepherd in this new hope yeah. uh, for the galaxy. Um, and so he has to mentally and emotionally kill Anakin.
3: Yeah. Well, and I, I want to, th- 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 I do want to start wrapping up here shortly just because I know we've been going a while. Um, and I, I want to end with like kind of a hopeful note from the end of Revenge of the Sith. But before we do, just to kind of build off of the, the points you're making here, Jason, um, that, are, that are really great. Um, I think f- You know, one of the big things that's been thrown around is Obi-Wan's going to meet Vader in the Kenobi series. Right. And a lot of fans have been very excited about it. And a lot of fans have been very trepidatious, like, no, like the last time they saw each other was on the banks of Mustafar. But the thing I would throw at those that the the deniers that this could happen, the thing that I throw at them is when Obi-Wan says to Luke, he's more machine now than man, twisted and evil. Where the hell would he have gotten that knowledge? right like he says that with a sensibility of experience and it's not just the brief encounter they had on the death star like there is there's something grounded in obi-wan that both gives him fear for luke leaving dagobah and empire and gives him fear that luke won't finish the job and return to the jedi he has encountered darth vader par excellence if you will and thinks that he is irredeemable and must be destroyed. I don't think that he's gleaning all of those statements from their brief encounter on the Death Star. So I have no qualms about them meeting each other because, again, it's pretty much been implied that they're going to. And I want it. Like, I think that'll be awesome. And for those who like, are like, no, they haven't seen each other since episode three. I, Obi-Wan seems to imply in the original trilogy he's had some sort of encounter with Vader prior to that. Um so I don't what do you two think about that?
1: Go ahead Greg. Uh
3: so
2: you know what does Vader say you should not have come back? Um I don't think that literally means the Death Star. I don't think Kenobi has visited the Death Star before. But yeah. <laughs> I think that means you shouldn't have come back to the galaxy and that to me yes of course that could mean Mustafar but like it doesn't sound like you would say that. 19 years ago, you shouldn't have come back today, right? Like, it sounds like they've had an encounter of some kind. So I, I, I think there's room in the canon for an encounter. I think I have, I'm not upset about it, but I have more fear about the reasoning they figure out for Kenobi to leave Tatooine. That to me mm-hmm. is the big leap for this series to, to figure out a good reason. I'm open to a good reason. I just don't know yet what I think would be the best reason for him to leave Luke for something. Um, but I have no qualms about them meeting. And I'll just say also, I really, the other kind of Obi-Wan trailer thing I hate people talking about is people are saying, well, we're, we're only going to see Hayden in the suit No way. Yeah. You can get anybody to fill that suit. You hire Hayden to be Hayden. And so flashbacks or, you know, maybe in his meditation chamber, like we're going to see Hayden or else they wouldn't pay the money for him. Yep. Exactly. Um, And, you know, there was a, a good quote from Ewan in one of those videos where he Kind of implied that yeah. he'd seen Anakin as Anakin, like he didn't say it, but he was like, "When I saw him looking like Anakin, it's like, yeah, I think I know yep. why." So, um, so I'm all here for all of that. The the kind of way I'll I'll fit those two pieces together is just to say one of the things I I articulated for the first time live into a microphone on our recap of the trailer was Revenge of the Sith ends on a down note except for the last few moments, right? Where we are reminded that hope remains and that there is goodness. And so we end Revenge of the Sith just looking forward and we know the end of that story. That's the coolest thing about the prequels, which has been funny to try to explain to my son how they come after the the original trilogy. (laughs) Um, And that's like, we left that movie theater and we didn't feel depressed because George gave us the the sunset and the babies. And we, we just knew that the story was fulfilled. Now we're going there. And the trailer made me really recognize how Obi-Wan definitely doesn't feel that at the end of revenge of the Sith, he says, you know, we lost. And I, I think to me, that is really where they're going to go in this, this spirit of, we we stood for the republic and and i'm left with nothing except a little boy and it's kind of boring right (laughs) so um so i think to me what what really excites me is 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 as we've said you know obi-wan is at that moment that everything he's fought for everything he stood for is is gone and his his life is gone and how do you pick up the pieces from that how do you stand up and keep going I think you have your old master come talk to you through the force. And I think you have uh, some kind of events that make you feel like, no, I actually am an active protector. I'm not just a passive hermit in the desert. And you go get a few drinks at the cantina from time to time.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, well, yeah. I, go ahead, Jason. Sorry. Yeah,
1: no, I, I, I think, for sure, the... Uh, just to to go back uh, a minute, because I didn't get a chance to address this, but Sorry. Obi-Wan's line... No, you're fine. Uh, Obi-Wan's line in Return of the Jedi, you know, he's been more machine now than man, twisted and evil. It said with such conviction, such, like, disgust mm-hmm. about what Vader has become that he has to have experienced that, and he did not in Revenge of the Sith. So... Uh, I I 100% agree that that they have you know that a a meeting is possible, Mm -hmm. and it's not just from Obi Wan sitting and watching hollow vids of you know the atrocities. It's personal. Yeah. It's always personal between Obi Wan and Anakin. Always.
3: Um. And even sorry to interject real quick, but just to even flush that out some more. In Return of the Jedi, when Vader says to Luke, "Obi Wan once thought as you do." That doesn't that doesn't exist in Revenge of the Sith. I mean, they have right. like a brief conversation when he shows up on Mustafar, but that's really it. They just essentially fight, <laughs> you know, um, you know, from my point of view, the Jedi are evil then you are lost. That's that's the extent of that conversation. But again, in the same way, like you said, Jason, that Obi-Wan has kind of this visceral, like he's more machine than man. Vader's kind of just sadness of Obi-Wan once thought as you do like we haven't seen that. We really haven't. Um, and, yeah, I want to see it. <laughs> so. Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> yeah. And, you know,
1: Greg, to, to your point of the the question of why Obi-Wan might leave Tatooine, uh, from what I can glean from the trailers, it looks like we've got, you know, Inquisitors hitting way too close to home. Uh, and by home, I mean the Lars homestead. Because we get the new, brand new Inquisitor... Face to face, you know, six inches away from Owen Lars's nose, with her lightsaber ignited, uh, you know, it's going to take a little bit more than just that moment, but uh, something's going down, and I, I'm definitely curious to see the reasoning and what what he has to do off world. Um, but that's yeah. that's because Owen dresses
2: like a Jedi. Dumb. Or- Come on, dude! Get some new clothes,
1: <laughs> or, or do Jedi dress like tattooing moisture farmers? Oh man, and, it's real.
2: Chicken and egg,
1: next oh, right. to an egg, <laughs> right? Uh, next to an Ackley? I don't know.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, I think that I think that's the right answer, though. I think you know it look, and, and I'm sure the Obi Wan trailer is essentially doing what Book of Boba and Mando did, which is only show us the first couple episodes, right? Oh, yeah. it only mm-hmm. gives us there, so I'm sure this is Absolutely. part of where we go. So, yeah. very exciting times.
3: Yeah. And
1: and to just follow up on your, your last point, Greg, uh, you know, the hope at the end of Revenge of the Sith is for us. Mm. It's not Obi-Wan's. Not Ben, at least. He's, he's safeguarding. He is not... It's still too fresh, still too uh, raw, and too terrifying to even begin to hope at that point. Um, He will. He will get to that point. And I think that's part of the journey that we're going to see in this show is what gets Obi-Wan to hope again. Uh, I mean,
2: some kind of new hope? (laughs) Something
1: like that. (laughs) Uh, But as of the end of Revenge of the Sith, that hope is for us. It's not Obi-Wan's hmm
3: well yeah and I, I just want to bring this up as kind of the last point not to say that you two aren't allowed to make anything else because you certainly can but for me the last point of just really looking at who is kenobi heading into that desert right like as you both said that 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 hopeful note is more for us the audience than for obi-wan but to a degree i think there is some hope for obi-wan you know um he has a purpose he's going to protect anakin's son right? It's, it's not just any future. It's not just the possible future hope of the Jedi. It's someone that he cares about, right? He, in his eyes, he failed Anakin. So I'm not going to fail his son. Um, And also I think it's worth noting that Yoda also reveals the possibility of communion with Qui-Gon. And I think like, I know I talked about this a little bit more extensively last week at our, you know, our our trailer reaction episode, Jason, but the reality that Obi-Wan is going to have some sort of encounter with Qui-Gon like I I think that's imperative in the series I think I think they're they're going to miss out if they don't give us that Um, I don't mean to like say they have to do this but uh, I think it's important because and just to to reiterate what I said last week is when Obi-Wan gives his life on the Death Star again I also feel like that is something he knows from some sort of experience that there is something beyond this you know this crude matter Um, and that's going to come from an experience of Qui-Gon I would think so so I think as much as for Obi-Wan like he does retreat into the desert lost and defeated there are seeds of hope Um, but to just to like finalize this you know Ewan McGregor was quoted in I can't remember exactly where but he was quoted recently you know interviewing about the Kenobi series that when we meet Obi-Wan he's he's dejected he's But basically hopeless. um, Right. He's he's squandering. And I think that that makes sense because for 10 straight years now, all he's been able to do is reflect on the things that he fell short on. Right. Like and and just and I think this is worth noting because I could see people being like, oh, it's like Luke and Last Jedi, Um, you know, and just like that wouldn't happen to our heroes. But. I'm just going to say like the last two years of this pandemic, having started it by losing a job I loved, losing a lot of purpose in my own life just for two years, that weighed on me so much. Like it was so hard just getting through the day to day. So imagine 10 years of that without the luxury of having friends around you. (laughs) So um, like I at least had friends, (laughs) So, you know, so I I think that we're going to get a very human Obi-Wan, which I think is which is great because heroes are the best when they're human. <laughs> so, um, anyway, what do you think? I, if, 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 I think that's all if,
2: beautifully said and absolutely correct. Like we need we we need to see this Obi Wan to complete the picture of who he is. And back to Jason's point, like he's he's defeated and at the bottom, and he's going to learn who he is. And we get to be there and we get to witness it. And how lucky are we that Ewan wanted to do this and. You know, I would have loved to queue up the theater in May for an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie, but you're giving me six hours instead of two. I'll take it. I'm not going to complain whatsoever. Yeah. So um, I'm all for it.
3: Definitely. Yeah. So, and, uh, and also,
2: uh, totally Qui-Gon. It's a lock. I mean, what was what was uh, Liam Neeson doing last couple of years except sitting around his house easily getting a voiceover right. mic set up and ready? Yeah. I mean, I, I think Filoni will push them to not show ghost Qui-Gon mm-hmm. because that was George's instructions essentially was that, no, he's not that good. Kenobi's the first to master that. But the Death Star sacrifice is going to be Kenobi's last move in the great chess game between Anakin and Darth Vader. So we have to see him learn and have to see him understand, okay, I shake Anakin to his core by demonstrating that I'm better than he was. I had knowledge he never had and always wanted. And so, you know, we got to see him build to that moment. So, yeah, anyway.
3: Yeah. Perfect. That's well, great. there you go. That's who Kenobi is. He's all of there those we go. things.
1: <laughs> all of it. All what? Like, almost two hours of this conversation? <laughs> yep. That's, yep. That's Obi-Wan Kenobi. We figured it <laughs> <in>. out. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. This has been fantastic. I've had so much fun with this episode. Oh, man. Likewise. Now I just want. I just want to, like, get off the the call and go watch Kenobi, but I have to wait two <laughs> months for that. So.
3: Well, just, it's only two months. Obi-Wan had to wait 19 years to really get back in the game. So, <laughs> <laughs> It's true. It's true. Um, can so before we go, uh, as always, Greg, it's always a pleasure and a delight, especially talking to something like Kenobi. Uh, where can folks get in touch with you to keep up with all the incredible things you're doing over on on your Twitter and your Instagram and, and as well as your your more more and more frequent podcast uh, apprentice, not apprenticeships, but like appearances. There's the word. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, no it is almost like an apprenticeship over there uh, yes uh, thank you obviously I was thrilled at the invitation I was sorry uh, I wish it was my birthday frivolities that prevented me from jumping on last Wednesday my wife had to work so I had to be on kid duty on my birthday so, uh, so I couldn't <laughs> jump on the mic but I, I, uh, you're coming up in my queue so I'm very much excited to hear what you said last week uh, so I am at Ion Cannon E Y E O N C A N O N on Twitter and Instagram, uh, and I would love to chat about Kenobi in particular, but anything that people want to talk about. Um, I am closing in on a thousand Twitter followers. I'm like twenty away, so I don't often like grub for followers. But if there's anybody out there who doesn't follow me, help me close that last gap, and I would I would love that. Uh, And as of about noontime today, it looks like I'm probably going to be at Celebration. So uh, Mm -hmm. I will have my eye on Canon trading cards, and I will uh, be making the rounds. I'm sure they'll let us see Episode 2 of Kenobi early. I mean, the convention starts the day after... The show starts so i'm sure there's some kenobi goodness in this so uh but please uh if you're a Wampus lair listener i know I, these guys aren't probably going to make it out so i will gladly carry the Wampus lair banner and if you want to say hi and and chat please come up to me
3: jason we should get a really unruly large banner for greg to carry that says Wampus lair <laughs> just to make him eat those words
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely i just like attach it to a backpack yeah. that he has yep. to carry around the
3: whole time <laughs> with a mini fan up. on it so it's blowing
1: yeah, yeah exactly but only like half yeah. blowing yeah right
3: it it's got to be dramatic
2: yeah, exactly i gladly do it i'd carry the burden for
1: you all <laughs> we appreciate it greg uh but- Carl, if people want to get in touch with us about anything we discussed or any other Star Wars thoughts that people ha- want to share with us, where can they do that?
3: Yeah, we're, we're also on Twitter at Wampas Lair and Instagram at TheWampasLair. And you can always email us at WampasLairPodcast at gmail.com. Um, and Jason, just like last week as you sign us off, I'm going to let you and McGregor sing us out. All right. Yet again,
1: Ewan's going to sing us out. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This has been episode number 459. Who is Kenobi? Apparently he's a singer. Um, (laughs) For Carl and Greg, I'm Jason. And we'll see you next time here in the Wampa's Lair.